What a blessing and privilege it is to be able to sing songs like How Beautiful Heaven Must Be with our wish and our desire and our goal to be able to make it to heaven. And I'm also tremendously thankful for God's Word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, Psalm 119, verse 105. As this morning we studied a lesson on the anatomy of a backslider, we wanted to emphasize the importance of our looking and making sure that we were not sliding back into sin and allowing ourselves to be overtaken. And the wonderful passage that we were able to study from Mark chapter 14 revealed to us exactly what Peter did and how he faced it. But you know, as you study some passages, you realize, I not only want to accentuate the negative aspects, but there's a time in which you also need to turn and make sure that you cover the positive things as well. And Lord willing, tonight I want us to focus on the book of Jude. And if you will, go ahead and keep your Bibles open there if you do not already have them open. We're going to focus on this book tonight as we think about building yourself up. As you begin the very first part of the book, you recognize that an apostasy was on the horizon. You realize there are people going to slide back into the world. There are people who are going to face difficulties. And sometimes you find that pressing matters take precedence over things that you would rather consider. In fact, in verse 3, Jude writes, he said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation... I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. What a wonderful thing for us to study about our common salvation. But there are times when you and I have to look and say, our faith is one of the most important aspects of our life. And it's something worth defending. It's something worth contending for. Jude gave a preventative prescription that the individual Christian must be built up. The Lord's church, when many people decide that they're going to depart, they end up leaving the Lord, they end up backsliding as a nation. But the only proper cure is to deal with us individually. It's not as if the congregation at Bybee Branch is strong and the members can be whatever they want. But the members have to be strong individually for us to be a strong congregation collectively. And so if we're going to talk about making sure that we're building ourselves up, we've got to look at it from an individual, personal kind of basis. And so what we want to do is look at three things. We want to look at personal responsibility. What do I have to do? Number two, we want to look at preparation that is required, particularly verses 25 going through about verse 20, uh, verse 20 going through verse 25, and then to look at some promises to remember. And hopefully these together will build us up and encourage us tonight. As you get to verse 20, Jude said, but you, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. 
He emphasizes, but you. Too often when we look at our scriptures, we tend to think in terms of everybody else. You want to know what somebody else is doing. How are they growing in their spiritual life? Are they doing well? You know, it's important that we stop thinking about everybody else for just a moment to first look at ourselves. That's exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7. When he talked about judging people, he said, First, cast the beam or the mote out of your own eye. Then you'll see carefully how to cast the beam out of your brother's eye. But in John chapter 21, there's some verses in 20 through 22 that I think are significant. We read there, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, is the one who betrays you? Who is the one who betrays you? Now listen carefully. But Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Peter wants to know what God is going to do about John. And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You know, that's really the nature of each of us is we want, Lord, what about John? We may want to say, what about Tony? But what he says is, whatever handling that I will have with him, that's between us. You follow me. If we start thinking about building up ourselves Let's look at this, each of us individually, as it applies to ourselves. Because it's a matter of personal choice as to what we become. You can decide whether or not you want to be a strong, faithful member of this congregation, or you can decide, I want to be a slacker. You can decide you're going to be involved or you're not involved. And note the repeated references throughout the whole book to you yourselves, and one has to learn the responsibility to reflect on Scripture himself. If you begin back about verse 5, going through verse 7, what he's going to do is to try to point out to us, look and see what happened. The first thing you notice is, is that the Lord delivered the children of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage. He delivered the whole nation. But then he destroyed those who did not believe. And someone says, well, that was the whole nation. Oh, but don't think that way. Do you remember there were two of the 12 spies who were sent to spy out the land who brought back a different message? Their names were Joshua and Caleb. And of that generation that came out of Egypt, only those two men who were of the age, were able to go into the promised land. You know why? Because they believed. Salvation and our growth and our dependence upon God is for us individually. The second thing he does is talk about the angels who did not keep their proper domain. And you tend to think about, well, what about all of those fallen angels? 
But he makes reference to Michael, the archangel, in disputing about the body of Moses, did not bring a railing accusation, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. What we find out is there are individual angels who each of them had to make their own decisions about whether or not they would keep their proper domain. And then in verse 7, he talks about the cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, who've given over to strange flesh. And we tend to think, well, everybody in those cities was wicked and wrong. But do you remember going back to Genesis, those last few verses of chapter 18? How Abraham bargained with the angels of the Lord. If you could just find ten righteous souls that God would preserve the cities, but there couldn't even be found ten. But I'll tell you who there were. There was Lot, his wife, and their daughters. They were worthy of saving individually. And Lot and his daughters made it out. You know why they made it out? Because they believed. Lot's wife didn't. She turned back, became a pillar of salt. When you think about the individual personal responsibility, it's incumbent upon each of us to say, I'm going to do it and do what God would have me to do. But now the main part of our lesson is to focus on verses 20 through 25. And there you will notice a number of verbs. The verbs are the action words that are in a text. In fact, I'll tell you how I study the Bible quite often. I'll find a text of Scripture that I want to understand, and then I will go through and I will highlight the verbs, the action words that talk about what a person must do. And I'll look and see whether or not they are in the imperative mood to say, is this a command? Is this something he expects me to do? And God's Word often will say, here's how you get to where God wants you to be. Here's the things that God wants you to do. And so he will talk about building up on our most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keeping ourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of God. Do you start seeing those I-N-G words there? The, they're actually participles is what they are. But those words pull out for us the meaning of what he's talking about. Let's explore them for just a minute. Look at verse 12 where he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. The original word literally means to build upon. You've got a foundation and you start building upon that foundation. That just makes me think of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 9, for we are God's, Fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay except that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. There's going to come a time in which everyone will be accountable 
for what they build upon. Either you're going to build on the foundation of the Lord or you're going to build on man's foundation. But then if you're building on the Lord's foundation, you've got to be building up the right way. And our faith is built up. He talks about here building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How do I do that? Well, in Acts 20 and verse 32, when Paul met with the elders from Ephesus, he said, Now, brethren, I commend you God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. That means every time I open my Bible and I read and I study that, that's building me up. Romans 10 and verse 17 said, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The more of God's Word I hear, the more of God's Word I study, the stronger I become, and the more sturdy the house that I will build that serves God. Second, he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. Whenever somebody reads about the Holy Spirit, there's all sorts of mystical ideas that come up. People start saying, well, does that mean that I'm praying a miraculous prayer? Does that mean that somehow I am uh, uh, in some sort of trance as I pray? Well, this is exactly what Paul spoke about in Ephesians 6 and verse 18. In that same context in which he talked about adorning the Christian armor and putting it on, he said in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with perseverance and supplication for all the saints, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In puts a location in what the Spirit has told us to do and what the Spirit does. I think perhaps the best answer to this is found in Romans 8 and verse 26. You know, when we get to Romans 8, we realize our own inadequacies, our own fallibilities, our own inability, if you will, to pray properly. And Paul writes, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Praying in the Holy Spirit would indicate you and I praying to the very best of our knowledge according to the will of God and then allowing the Holy Spirit to intercede for us. And what that does is brings about an effectual fervent prayer which conforms to the message revealed by the Spirit. The third thing that he tells us in preparation is to keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves, keeping yourselves there. Jesus did that. In John 15, as he is speaking to his apostles just prior to being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he tells them, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. John 15, verse 14. If you keep my commandments, you love me. You see, the the, uh, bottom line is, is if I want to stay in the love of God, my love for Him, His love for me, 
I've got to do something to put myself there. I might say, keep yourself inside the building while the rain is falling. I mean, stay there. Keep yourself in the love of God means to stay there. 1 John 4, verse 16, And we have known and believed that the love God has for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. That's the way you keep yourself there. Of course, we know some people don't do that. In Revelation 2, and verse 4, To the church at Ephesus, Nevertheless, I have this against thee, that you've left your first love. You're not staying where you ought to stay. You think about building yourself up, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God, and number four, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Looking for mercy. Literally, the word there is waiting for it. Waiting is not something we find easy to do. Someone tells you that a special event's coming. Well, I just can't wait for it to get here. Someone tells you that they're going to uh, uh, do something good for it. I want it, and I want it now. Listen to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will, shall not tarry. He's saying it's coming. You can trust it. You can depend upon it. Wait for it. Learn to wait for it. Micah 7 verse 7. Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I'm going to wait because I know that God can do whatever He says. Now, if I am going to build my spiritual house, part of that means waiting for it to be done properly. I could use all sorts of illustrations, but I'll use one that is fairly simple. Whenever you paint, you're supposed to let it dry between coats. You know why? Because if you decide you're going to roll a second coat on, right after you've rolled that first coat, you know what you're going to do? You're going to pull off that semi-dried paint. You've got to learn to wait. Sometimes you and I have to learn to wait for God to do things in His own good time. We've got to learn to be patient. Titus 2 verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You've got to wait and be faithful this whole time while we're waiting. Now, I think about those four things, and then it's almost like you shift into high gear here. You want to keep yourself built up, but you also realize that part of your obligation is to help some others along the way. Part of my building myself up, the way God wants me to build up, is to reach a hand to help those who are in need. And so verses 22 and 23, And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. 
There's some people who deserve compassion. They have been deceived by the devil. The devil has tricked them. You know, these days there's a lot of these telemarketers that are calling, or I would say scam artists is what they are. And they become very subtle and very convincing. And if somebody says, they got me, I'm not going to look down on you and say, boy, you were stupid. I'm going to say they were very crafty, weren't they? Do you realize there's a lot of people in this world for whom the devil has been able to deceive them and to trick them? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 and 26, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. These are people who have sincerely been tricked. He said, on some have compassion, making a distinction. I need to look at people and realize some people have been sincerely tricked into believing what they believe. But the others have gone much further, and they require more forceful response. He says, pulling them out of the fire. Actually, the word snatching. The idea is that you realize some people have gotten so close to the fire, they're so near being burned, you've got to yank them out, maybe is the best way to put it. You know, I hate to see a parent grab a hold of a child's arm and yank that arm real hard. You wonder sometimes if they're going to yank them out of their socket. And you think those people who do that, they're just not concerned about the safety and the health of those children. But I will tell you what, if I see a parent out in the parking lot after services and a car is coming along and they see that child and they reach over and grab him by the hand and yank him out of the way, I don't think they're being mean or unkind. I think what they're trying to do is save their life. And do you realize there are some people spiritually who've gotten so close to the devil's fire that we need to be a little more forceful and try to yank them, snatch them back away from that fire. And he says, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Because we know that if they get that close to the fire, they get that close to hell, we've got to do something serious to try to save them. In Amos chapter 4, 11 and 12, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. He said, I pulled you back and he said, you were so scorched, you were like a firebrand already burning on the end. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Because you've got to realize, you get so close to the fire, You're going to meet God. And so there's the preparation that's involved that's required. But now let's take verses 24 and 25, the promises to remember. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy... To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. 
Amen. What wonderful promises we enjoy. Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Someone says, but I thought this morning you said it was possible to stumble. It possible was, it is possible to fall. Oh, sure it is. There's not a contradiction here. If a person is willing to do what God says to do, you won't stumble. Do you remember 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 11? For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For thus shall be richly supplied your entrance into the eternal kingdom. You see, there's promises that God says, if you'll do what I tell you to do, you won't have the problems. You won't stumble. You won't fall. These promises are to be remembered because they're to be enjoyed. The Lord's church has in the past, and it will continue to face perilous times. The Lord's church in 2019, soon to be 2020, is facing a number of spiritual challenges. We're facing a number of churches that are leaving the Lord doctrinally. It seems as if every day we hear of another congregation that's decided on its own it's going to depart from the Scriptures. Even more concerning to me is within local congregations, individual Christians are just seemingly saying, church is not important to me anymore. The Lord's not important to me anymore. And so I'm just going to somehow show up on Sunday morning, partake the Lord's Supper, give a little bit, and then I'll go home and enjoy my life. And not let it make any difference in the way you live through the week. The Lord's church is facing some perilous times. But those, those who can bring about her destruction must be faced. And some of them can be saved. As we talked about some that you, you, know, you pull out of the fire. Some you show compassion. But here's the bottom line. We have to promote and pursue faithfulness in ourselves individually. And that's the way the Lord's church is going to grow. That's the way we're going to be built up. That's the way we're going to be stronger if we follow the plan and the plan that has been set forth before us. We're going to sing the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. If you're not a Christian, here's the way you can follow Jesus. Do what He did. He was baptized. Of course, He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. We're baptized for the remission of our sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. When a person does that, he is added to the Lord's body, to His church. Acts chapter 2 verse 47. If you are here tonight and you're a Christian, and I had several people speak to me this morning about the lesson and about how important it was for us to realize we don't want to pull back into the world, but be faithful. If you've thought about it this afternoon and you know you need to respond tonight, will you not come as together we stand and sing?